So, tonight we're going to talk, we're going to continue our study of the Apostles' Creed, and I saved this for tonight. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So that's what we're going to focus on this evening. So we're going to ask ourselves three questions tonight. What and so what? We're going to say, what is the virgin birth? So what? Why is it important? Why is it significant? And then, now what? How ought we respond to it? And how, how, what should we do about it now? So let's first ask uh, the question, what? Okay, let's see. Hold on. Jesus was, this is the what. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Anybody heard of that one before? It's part of the story. So whether you believe it or not, or it affects your life or not, it's just part of the story. It begins, the the stories of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke begin with the birth of Jesus, and then they go on through the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the miracles and all that he did, the death on the cross, the the resurrection from the dead, the ascension into heaven. It's just part of the, it's a story. But unlike the three little pigs and little red riding hood and stories that just have, have elements of them, this story is true. This is part of history. And I don't want to cliche this, but his story, history is all about God and how he's revealed himself to us. And so you've got Matthew and Luke's account, which we're going to look at in a moment. And these are the two gospel writers that record the birth of Jesus. The others pick things up right at the beginning of his ministry. And so in Matthew and Luke, Matthew knew Mary. He knew all of the apostles. He knew Jesus. So he had been around. He'd heard all the stories. He's an eyewitness of all the rest of Jesus' life once he became an apostle. And then you've got Luke who is a recognized historian, who did careful investigation, careful um, interrogations of all of the significant figures in this. And so these are eyewitness testimony. And I could give a lengthy defense for why you ought to believe that the virgin birth is true, but I'm not going to because it just is. It is part of the biblical account written by eyewitnesses, people who died to preserve this record. And so I'm just going to do what the Bible does, and I'm just going to assert it. And then I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Is it important? Or how important is it? And if it is important, why? So I'm going to also assert tonight that it is so important that if you get off track with the virgin birth, right here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry or Jesus' life on earth. If you get off track here, it's like, you know, you shoot your arrow and you hit a branch just a foot or so away and it goes off on another trajectory. If you start the Gospels by saying, it's impossible, uh, that, that stuff just doesn't happen. It's a myth. If you get off track here, the trajectory just keeps going further and further away from the truth. If you can't accept the virgin birth, then you're not... How, why do you accept any miracles that Jesus performed? On what basis? They're all impossible as, soon, as far as human beings go, right? 
Why would you believe that he rose from the dead? That he ascended into heaven? That he is now alive in his body, seated at the right hand of the Father? Why would you believe any of that stuff? And so, again, I'm just going to assert it. So let me go backwards and look up above. Let's go to Matthew first. Okay. Matthew chapter 1. Now watch. I know you've heard these many times. So watch. Pay attention. Watch for some significant things that we're going to have to refer back to as we try to understand tonight why the virgin birth is so important. So now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, note that, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, significant, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Jehovah's salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet 800 years earlier. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep. How did he respond? And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So that's the news that comes to Joseph. Here's how it looked when the angel came to Mary, the Gospel of Luke. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, see how that's emphasized, Engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Just remember that phrase. I'll come back to it. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. 
And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, I'm your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what? Again, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Okay, that's all part of the story. So what? What is significant about that? Why is it so important? Isn't it enough? I believe in Jesus and I believe in God. I mean, who cares really if the virgin birth part? Maybe that is myth. No. Here's the first so what. Number one. And I, I didn't give you outlines. I just want you to listen carefully tonight. The plan of redemption, God's plan of redeeming the lost world and people to himself, is entirely an act of God. Okay? Where was Mary and Joseph and their plans for their marriage and their family and their future? Where were the heads of their families and all of the Jewish community in this weary world at that time? Where were their heads? I mean, both Mary and Joseph were shocked at this news. And the answer is, their heads, in essence, even though they were righteous people, they were religious people, they believed in God, they went to church on Sundays, they believed it all. But at that time, had God not intervened, they were wandering around blindly and aimlessly in their own la-la land, in a sense. And so if God had not thought it, think, listen, if God had not thought it, planned it, orchestrated it, initiated it, illuminated it to them, performed it, we would all still be lost. But the Holy Spirit of God, it says, remember, it said, came upon the Virgin Mary and the power of the Almighty overshadowed her. This sounds like Genesis chapter 2 where the earth was uh, formless and void and the Holy Spirit hovered around it. And in Psalm 91 verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers. He will protect. This is how the Holy Spirit works. This is how God does what he does. He uses his spirit to create and his spirit to bring life. And so the Holy Spirit of God came upon the power of Mary, the power of the Almighty overshadowed her and her Conception was supernatural and it was miraculous. And this is the only time in history, in the history of the world, that a child was born in this way. So that would beg the question, why? Why did God plan to do it this way? As I have studied this and I came to some understanding this week through my studies and meditation and pondering on it that I've never thought of before, I hope to share a little bit with you tonight, but this is an incomprehensible thing. That doesn't mean we can't understand it at all. Incomprehensibility means we can't understand it fully. I can't understand it fully. I can even regurgitate to you the theological statements that explain why it is the way it is, but I don't understand it fully. I just don't. Could God have done it another way? Yes, 
I think the answer is God can do anything he wants to. Could God have snapped his fingers and it was all changed? Yes, he could have done that. But he didn't. This is God's plan. And in the wisdom, the sovereign, perfect wisdom of God, he did it this way. And it is beautiful. And it is full of significance and meaning. So let's try to dig into just a little bit of it. Secondly, the virgin birth made it possible for Jesus to be fully God and fully man. Now that does not mean half God, half man. He's not like a centaurus, you know, half human, you know, the trunk and the arms and the head of a man and then the legs and the body of a horse. No, fully God, fully man. Back in Luke chapter 1, 35. This is why the Holy One will be called the Son of God. Because he did not have an earthly father. And several times throughout the ministry of Jesus, he was attacked for either claiming or not objecting to or denying when people claimed of him that he was the Son of God. That was the charge he was crucified on. He was almost stoned for it earlier, but it was the charge of blasphemy because he made himself equal with God. And for that reason, Luke said, he will be called the Son of God. So fully God, that's possible because the Holy Spirit is his Father. But also fully man, born of a virgin, a human being. This has something to do with identification, the necessity for him to identify with us human beings. He had to be one of us in order to be our representative. Now, as soon as I say that, you think, well, that's true. That's theologically sound. I don't understand it. But that's just the way it is. Why? Why? Those two things. Why? So he could satisfy the two necessary elements of atonement, of making lost human beings who are dead in their sins at one with God again. So these fully God, fully man made it possible so he could satisfy these two necessary elements of atonement, which are sinlessness and substitution. You know the Old Testament sacrifices. What, was, what, what did the lamb have to be? Unblemished, pure, perfect. And so being fully God, as Luke said in, back in verse 35, Luke said the holy offspring will be called the Son of God. The unblemished, spotless. Listen, this makes some sense to me. If Jesus had been sinful or inherited Adam's sin, then he could only have died for himself. Just as you and I would have to die for ourselves if there wasn't a substitute. So a substitute is absolutely necessary or else we don't get saved. We just die. So there's the, the sinlessness because he was, he was descended of Adam but not fully descended from Adam. God was his father. 
So then substitution could happen. God's provision for the salvation from the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. All of us have sinned. We all deserve to die. How can there be someone to take our place? Without the virgin birth, salvation wouldn't have happened, couldn't have happened, because we would not and could not possibly save ourselves through our own effort. We were already dead in our sin. But God, again, in his perfect wisdom, designed a plan where the divine and the human would combine to accomplish reconciliation. Could he do it a different way? Sure. This is how he did it. Does that make any sense? Praise God. That's how he did it. He did it. (laughs) Okay. What difference does that make to our lives today? Now what? The virgin birth of Jesus Christ highlights the... Listen carefully. The virgin birth, along with many miracles, but it highlights the supernatural essence, the miraculous essence of the gospel of the human being's need to have God with divine intervention, divine initiation. Remember, these people are lost. He's doing all this. He's coming to them. He's illuminating their minds. He's operating. He's working. Now listen carefully. It says this could blow your mind. You ready to have your mind blown on Christmas? Not just in Jesus, but in us. What do I mean by that? Our salvation is a supernatural act of God. Not just Jesus, not just the virgin birth. Your salvation, if you are saved today, that has been a supernatural act of God that is on par with creation, with the virgin birth, with the resurrection of Jesus, his ascension, all of his miracles, what has happened in your heart is like that. Look at John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13 above. You know John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And right just before that, it says that Jesus came to his own, He came to the Jewish people, the people who were expecting him. He came to his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, Joseph, Mary, Matthew, Luke, the apostles, but as many as received him, watch this because this is you, if you've received Christ, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. That's what it means to receive him. Really believe in his name. And that's what it means to believe in him, is receive him. You see, you open up and you say, come in to me, Jesus. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now watch this. Who were born, not of blood. Everyone here has been born of blood. 
You're a human being. You're born. You had a mom and a dad, and here you are, and I can see you. Your physical being. But they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. What's he talking about? In chapter 3, Nicodemus came to him and said, What? And he said, Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, literally though, born from above. So don't be afraid of that term. Ah, born again, I have to be really weird. Born from above. You have to be spiritually born. Born of the Spirit. Born of God, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man. Everybody experiences the first birth. There has to be a second birth that happens, or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's our physical birth, as I take it, and the spirit, the second birth from above, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here's what I'm trying to get at. It just, boom, hit me this week. We can think of the virgin birth, and wow, that was a gigantic miracle. But that miracle of new life being born from above by the Holy Spirit of God has happened to me. Very, very similar miracle miracle to the virgin birth. It's not as significant in me, but it's the same nature of a work of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to anybody else? This just, boom. Wow. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing all over the world. That's what he's been doing for 2,000 years. He's been saving people. And I think either we totally don't understand it at all or we so minimize it or trivialize it that maybe that's part of the explanation of why we live our lives as if it really doesn't matter. Right? Or we live our lives like this is about us. This is about me and my plans. So, now what? I know most of you. I know most of you have had this experience. So I hope that is just for you. It's like me. It's like, whoa, wow. This is supernatural. It's a miracle. And it wasn't me. Yeah, I believed. I had to respond, as we're going to see in just a moment. But God did it. God wooed me. God moved me. God orchestrated my life. God put people into my life to lead me to Christ and share the gospel with me and pray for me and all of that kind of stuff. But God did it. So I can't sit here and be proud that I did anything great or it was because I am anything great. And those of you who are born from above know what I'm talking about, right? It's very humbling. But maybe there's somebody in here tonight who it's never happened to you. The miracle hasn't happened to you. And so my prayer for you would be either that because of the seeds that are planted in your heart right now, that it would happen to you tonight. Or if it doesn't tonight, that seeds would be planted in you that will eventually germinate and they bear fruit and it will happen. But at least you heard it tonight and it makes a little more sense. God is ha- God has you here for a reason. You are here because God wanted you here and God wanted you to hear this and he wanted you to think about the virgin birth and he wanted you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that that birth can take place in you if 
How do we respond? If you follow the example of Mary and Joseph and just believe. Both of them had their own ideas and then all of a sudden, boom, God spoke to them and they believed. Be it done to me as you will. I am your bondservant. If you do that, if you just say, I'm tired of not believing, I'm tired of trying to figure it out all on my own, I'm tired of doing this and that and trying to be good enough and earning my salvation and thinking I'm right with God and being really religious. If you're tired of all of that, all you have to do is listen to the gospel of Jesus and believe. Believe it. Open your heart and receive Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, the Son of God. And that miracle, God will do that in you. Follow the example of Mary and Joseph. Believe and then obey. They just went forward and said, I'll do it your way, Lord. Do you think they understood it? They didn't understand hardly any of it. But they did it because God told them to. And we can do the same thing. Christmas, this Christmas can be about obeying God. It can be about, you know what? It's going to be stressful the next couple of days. It's going to be great. But I need to just trust God. And I need to do what he's calling me to do. To try to serve others, love others, put my desires aside, put myself lower than them and all that stuff. You have an opportunity to do that. Just do what God's telling you to do, has shown you how to do it in Jesus. Just do it. Obey. And by the grace of God, follow the example of Mary Joseph, believe, obey, and then be set free to live the life that God wants you to live with a specific purpose and a specific plan for you. The virgin birth is, I believe, fundamentally and critically important in that we just accept it by faith, as incomprehensible as it is, but then allow it to show us the way that God works. What does it teach us about God? What does that do in me? God wants to perform a similar type of a miracle of new life in me, if I will but believe it and then obey it and allow him to set me free. Have you done that? Will you bow your heads with me now? Have you done that? Would you, would you, if you haven't done that, will you do that tonight? Or will you, at least, will, you at, hey, will you at least ask God to lead you the next step? Will you at least say to God, Lord, I think you're knocking at the door, I think, and I want to, but I'm a little, I'm not ready yet, but will you at least say, but Lord, keep drawing me, keep, I'm open to you bringing me closer to it, will you please take one step in the right direction tonight? And if you are and you know it, then praise God for it. And just as we sing these songs, just worship, continue to worship the Lord for his grace and his goodness and his power and his, his perfect plan. That is so marvelous and wonderful, isn't it? So will you bow your heads with me, please?